Top Four Tiers, the finest multimedia football page out there. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Top Four Tiers podcast. It's myself, Lucas Ross and Tom Ward back at it again. Um, it's been another interesting week in the Top Four Tiers of English football, but I'll just start off. Evening, Tom. Good evening. And even though it's nice and light outside where I am, it doesn't feel like half six, but it's getting to that time of the season, isn't it? Where literally there is so, so much to talk about in every division, but especially the EFL, because boy, that is hotting up. Yeah, promotion and relegation really starting to pot up and we're sort of starting to get a picture as to who's going to get promoted, who's going to get relegated, who's going to get playoffs, who's going to have a nothing season. So if no further ado, we shall get the ball rolling as we usually do, starting off with the Premier League. And obviously there's there's only one place we can start and that is Stamford Bridge. What a game um, it was. Absolutely mental, obviously. Chelsea take the lead for a goal of the season contender through Antonio Rudiger. But then Brentford hit back with four unanswered goals, including one from none other than Christian Eriksen, which was seemingly a delight to the whole footballing world. Tomo, um, that was a pretty crucial result. What what do you think of it? I mean, I couldn't believe it. When I when I saw uh, that Chelsea took the lead, you're expecting a procession, aren't you, at the bridge? But, I mean, two minutes later, they were pegged back through. I mean, that vit- goal from Vitaly Janelt was superb. He nearly took the net off. You thought Rudiger hit his hard. Well, Janelt hit his even harder. And then all of a sudden, Chelsea just seemed to capitulate. Brentford's second goal was a, was a great goal. And as you say, a great moment for Ericsson. But the defending was so poor. And when you've got a defence with the likes of Azpilicueta, Rudiger and Thiago Silva in it, you're not expecting to be given that clear-cut chances. But I thought a player that went under the radar was Brian Embuemo, actually. He he stretched, he really caused um, Azpilicueta on the right-hand side a lot of problems with his pace. And I think Sil- Thiago Silva struggled as well. But yeah, it's a massive result. And those Brentford away fans would have been in dreamland, really. I mean, I'm very jealous. As a QPR fan myself, I think... With our form turning a bit bad and theirs being incredible, I think a sad one for us. But what it means long term is, let's be honest, that's probably Brentford safe now. I think the confidence that will give them um, and Thomas Frank for the rest of the season is going to be massive. And it's not a massively impactful result for Chelsea. They've got top four pretty much sealed unless they literally go to absolute pot for the rest of the season. So... It might just be a wake-up call. I think with everything that's going on at the club at the moment, it probably mirrors the attitude of of the fans with regarding what's happened. Yeah, no, I think Chelsea are third. They they have they basically have top four rubber stamp. They're five points ahead of fourth place Spurs. As for Chelsea, I've I've noticed that they played a back four. I remember last time they tried to do something similar was last season when they conceded five against West Brom and Thiago Silva ended up getting sent off. Um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was pretty torrid for Chelsea. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't have wanted to be a Chelsea fan on Saturday. And obviously, also as a fellow QPR fan myself, I am pretty jealous of Brentford, I must say. Obviously, Ericsson doing bits, coming back in, scoring is fantastic to see, even as a QPR fan. You can't not be happy that he's back out there scoring goals. And Vitaly Janel got a man in the match with a 9 out of 10 rating. Mob. And moving on now to another interesting match, which I haven't really heard much of. Spurs 5, Newcastle 1. Five different scorers for Spurs as well, have you know, which is interesting to see. And 
loads of players doing bits, but not a very high individual rating, not too many special individual performances with you only needed an 8.6 to get man the match. You needed a nine in the Brentford match. But Tom, what, what do you think of this? Obviously, five different scorers, five goals. What do you think? I think from a Newcastle perspective, they'll be very disappointed from being 1-0 up in the game and then obviously one all at half-time. They'd have been full of optimism, probably. That first half wasn't... Don't get me wrong, Tottenham were the better side in the first half, but Newcastle defended very well and looked pretty solid. But all of a sudden, that Matt Doherty goal just seemed to totally open them up. Harry Kane was dropping into those pockets and he was dragging the likes of Dan Byrne and Fabian Schaar into places they really didn't want to go to. And his passing range is, is one of the most underrated things in his game, I'd say, Kane. Some of the sort of the balls he was playing for the likes of Kulisevsky and Son were were superb. And I think the addition of Kulisevsky has really given this team another dimension. We know how good Son and Kane are together. However, it did get a little bit one-dimensional at times and easy to defend against because every time Kane got the ball, you know he'd just look for Son. And now having Kulisevsky, that extra runner in behind, that's, as I say, that extra option, it gives defences a little bit more of a headache. And we saw that with Newcastle. They just they capitulated, really. And it is their third defeat in a row. I think they are safe due to that massively good run of form that they had just a month or so ago. But they do need to book their ideas up to because it may be a bit of a realisation to the owners, to Eddie Howe, to the, the whole board at the club, really, that they they do need to strengthen even more in the summer if they want to be as ambitious as they sort of say they want to be and as the money will allow them. Yeah, because obviously Newcastle could well become a club that has more money than sense at Chuckman and Chuckman hit anything with a working pulse. But I think, as you said, it was a bit of a reality check for the tune on Saturday. They're 15th in the league, although they are nine points off the bottom three. I think they've played well enough in February to steer well clear of any relegation troubles. They've, they've now lost three in a row. Obviously, lost in the 89th minute against Chelsea in the 99th against Everton. And, and now they've just gone and capitulated. I think their next three are pretty big games, obviously. They're, and the next three are at home as well. And But the last three are all away from home, which I've noticed. So they've, got, they've got three games at home. They've got Newcastle, Leicester and Palace. One thing I've noticed is that I'm just going to put it out there. No game is an easy game. You might come at me for that, but... I'm really standing by what I'm saying, that you never get an easy game in any league. There's always a challenge for you, be it, be it, a, be it some individual quality or just some haunting stats from the past. But relate, but on Saturday, I think Doherty played well. Kane's passing was very, very, very good. I think Kulazewski could well be a tailor-made replacement for Son. Uh, he's, he's going to be 30 soon. Um, so I think... That's it's good to have him in the side, um, especially from a Spurs perspective. Um, and I think Spurs do need to try and land him on a permanent deal because he is only on loan until the end of the 2022 23 season. So I think they have to land him on a permanent deal. Um, that is no question. He's been fantastic so far for Spurs two goals, five assists. And I think he's slotted into the side with ease, getting to grips with his new teammates very easily. Yeah, just just while we're on that, let's talk about the other game on a Sunday, which was massive, really, in both the top six European sort of move and 
and the relegation battle. And that was West Ham beating Everton 2-1. Now, for me, this game epitomised Everton this season, really. They played well in patches and they'll be happy to have the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin back in the starting eleven. But Mason Holgate had to play holding midfield alongside Abdoulaye Decore and Alex Iwobi. I mean, that does show that Yes, they have a lot of injuries. Obviously, Allen's suspended. Tom Davis is injured. Donny van der Beek pulled up lame in the warm-up. Um, also, the likes of Delph and people like that injured. But the real the relegation fears are real for Everton. They're 17th and they're, they're very lucky, actually, because if it wasn't for how poor Watford, Norwich and Burnley have been at times this season... They would be in the bottom three. I mean, they've got 25 points from 28 games. Frank Lampard, I do slightly feel for him. I don't. I, I want to get your opinion on this, Lucas, but I do slightly feel for him because I think the squad of players he's inherited is so thin and so poor and just mismatched and disjointed that it's very difficult to sort of get a distinct style of play. And they didn't play badly, but... It's individual mistakes that cost them. The Bowen goal comes from a horrendous touch from Alex Iwobi, who actually was having a not a bad game. And then Michael Keane flies into a tackle stupidly and the game's over from then, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I, I do feel for Frank Lampard. He did walk into a very, very difficult job with his hands tied behind his back. Obviously, Everton have been on a losing streak pretty much since September, um, which is Quite sad to see because they started the season off very well. They won three of their first four games, and it looked and it looked all up for Everton. Obviously, they weren't very difficult games to be honest. And then, obviously, they go and lose to um, Villa, my beloved QPR, one of the best nights of my life. And then, um, and then they go and beat Norwich, which again easy. And then, once the hard fixtures start coming on, they just fall like a tin of sardines. It's been very, very poor for Everton for a good six months now, and again. Had not been for that strong start to the season and obviously the bottom three all being so, so poor, then I think Everton um, would be firmly in the bottom three. And I'm going to say it now, Everton are going to go down. I think Burnley will do just enough to stay up. They've got the games in hand. Um, They've got the games in hand. Yes, they've only won three games this season, but Burnley and Everton are playing each other on Wednesday, which is absolutely crucial. It is a massive, it's a gargantuan game. Absolutely gargantuan for the... Potentially the, the biggest game of the season, consequence-wise. I mean, if Everton do go down, it'll be monumental. It'll be one of those moments that is etched in Premier League history. And to be fair, Burnley, it's a good segue, isn't it, really? Because in their 2-0 loss to Man City, yeah, Man City outclassed them, but... Burnley did show a little bit of fight and show good defensive resolve to, to sort of keep it at 2-0. Now, that does, might not sound great, but they they kept it at 2-0 after, go, after going behind so early, um, thanks to mainly Nick Pope. But it is difficult to do that because when City get motoring, they can do you 4-5-6, even 7-0. Um, we've seen that with their game against Leeds this season. So... I think that'll be good for the goal difference of Burnley and they'll approach that Everton game probably with a little bit more confidence, won't they? Yeah, and, and obviously Burnley, they've been quite hard to beat this season, but they've only won three games all season. And I think the fact they've only managed to win three games all season sort of says it all, um, to be honest. They've been quite hard to beat 
Villa have lost more games. Let's than not Villa. forget about Watford either. You know, let's we can't write Watford off. They play pretty well against Liverpool at Anfield, and they were unlucky, really. Yeah, they they did get quite unlucky. Obviously, a bit of an f up from Foster and a bit of a Diogo. Jota. I'd say that's I'd say that's harsh. Would you? It Would does you it does go down as a narrow leading to a goal on Vot Mob. Um, well, a, you, we were watching it in the pub, weren't we? And yeah, we I were. don't think there's much he could have done about that, really. I think um, the ball comes in, and it's one of the, it's in the corridor, isn't it? But if he doesn't, at least he's not going to save it if he stays on his line. I wouldn't say. Yeah, he's, he's got to go for it, and obviously it didn't pay off. Sometimes it pays off, evidently. That time it didn't pay off, but yeah, it's it's interesting because you can't write Watford off that. Last, the last two games, obviously, they beat Southampton away from home with a Cucho Hernandez masterclass as he managed to bag a brace. And obviously, they held Man United and kept a clean sheet on the road. And I think the defence has solidified since Roy Hodgson came in. He still managed to steady a, a shit with loads of patches in. I, I still think Watford will go down, um, given that they've probably left it a bit too late. And obviously, sides around them have games in hand. And I still think Burnley will stay up, probably finish 17th again. And I think they'll end the season with a bit of a rally, steering clear of relegation. But I think the game on Wednesday night between Burnley and Everton is probably is probably the biggest game of the season. Because on paper, you'd say Everton are gonna win, but Everton have got Everton have got 10 players out, at least injured or suspended. Um, which which says it all really. They're they're so they're they're so depleted and and while it's and while the neutral would like to see a side like Everton go down, it's hard not to feel sorry for them because they they've they've been so depleted and mugged off by injuries all season long that it sort of put them in this position. I feel, alongside. I feel sorry for Everton fans, but I don't feel sorry for the club at all because they've they've just thrown so much money at it and without thinking their recruitment's been consistently really poor for the last five or six years now um you know you can even look back to the signs of Davy Clarson and players like that um and you know they does they I'm not saying they deserve relegation but they really do need to butt their ideas up and this new stadium move, I mean, they won't even get 20,000. The, they probably will because Everton fans are loyal, but it's a, such a toxic atmosphere around the club right now, isn't it? Um, just want to get your comment on another club, obviously, with a bit of a toxic atmosphere around, which were held to a draw at Old Trafford. Manchester United won, Leicester won. I thought this game, personally, I think United were OK in the first half. Leicester came back obviously took the lead and then United equalising. But do you think that goal should be disallowed? Or I think it's soft personally. I think if you slow it down in slow motion, it looks like a foul. But you can show so many things in super slow-mo and they're going to give fouls, aren't they, for everything? Yeah, exactly. Bear in mind, I've not I've not seen the goal yet, um, but it, it does seem quite controversial. Obviously, obviously, it was a pretty drab first half, and then Leicester took the lead, and it only, and it only lasted for three minutes. I'm I'm watching the I've got the goal now in front of me. Oh, I don't know what to make of it. The, the player goes down, but I don't think that's a foul. I think 
he has every right to come in and and, and win the ball, and he, he just clips him. It's not a foul. I think it 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 should be a goal. Um, I, I think, think he hooks his leg, but it's so minimal the contact that it's just a tangle of legs, really, for me. I think that's just purely just a tangle of legs, just a footballing incident, and I don't think a goal should be disallowed. And I think Harry Maguire actually had a good game in this. I, I watched about most of the second half. He looked fairly solid. Varane was actually the one that was shaky. And he was the one that went down for the goal. But Leicester played well. They, they've turned it round, really. Remember when uh, Brendan Rodgers was going to get sacked? I remember that. But they've, they've, they've sort of started to play well. The likes of James Madison's really turned his form around. He had a bit of a shaky start to the season, but he's had a great great last few at least few months um 2022 has been a good one for him so far but yeah I think both Leicester will be happy with the point but United just they need this season to end and they need to they need to push a hard reset button I don't want to go too in depth on on United because at the end of the day every single podcast on football has probably talked to death about how what's going wrong at United and this and that and the other. But the truth is they've just kept throwing loads of money at it and thinking every single summer they've just gone, we need to win the league, we need to win the league, we need to win the league. They've never actually committed to a full rebuild. And I think that's partly because their fans aren't patient enough, um, but also because the board and the Glazers and the owners don't want to do it. They don't want to sit there and play the young players because they've got good young players coming through, but they just, they're, I think it's mainly down to the fan base. They're such a win now club. They just expect, expect, expect all the time that they won't be happy to settle for playing young players for a period of time, like what Arsenal have done. And now Arsenal look a much better side. They have a much better future than Manchester United and they haven't spent hundreds of millions to do so. Yeah, and no, I'll just touch on a couple of things. Um, I think this season it's been a matter of Cristiano for Manchester United. Obviously, when Aldo came in, everyone thought they were going to bomb storm the league, especially when they beat Newcastle 4-1. But it's just all, all sort of just gone... It's all sort of gone wrong um, at Old Trafford for the Red Devils because obviously, obviously their reluctance to play some of the young talent coming through. OK, Alanga's had a very good season. But other than that, it's it's been it's been really poor. Um, obviously, Fred had a really good game getting around the match with an eight point vibrating. But for Leicester, it was it was it was a good all round team performance from what I see. Obviously, the back line was pretty solid. Midfield were midfield were good. Obviously, Madison was best player with eight point one, and then obviously Inacho got the goal, which was cancelled out three minutes later. Moving moving on now, just going to briefly brush on some of the other games in the Premier League that happened. Obviously, Leeds won, Southampton won, and another world-class free kick from that man again, James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, that is quite that's... a significant one for the Midlands, really. I think Steven Gerrard's sides, they've, they've been, well, since he's took over at Villa, they've been really up and down form-wise. They've lost three in a row now, and I know that They've been against difficult outfits. They haven't all been easy games, but they offered very little again today. Um, and yes, they're mid-table, but I think a return of 36 points from 30 games isn't brilliant, really, considering how much money and quality is in that squad. Um, 
The first goal was a slip, unfortunate slip from Esri Conter, a great finish from uh, from Johnny Otto. But with the light, I mean, you look at that team, Bailey, Coutinho, Samson, McGinn, Conser, Cash, Dean, Martinez, they're all international players, very good players. And they just haven't performed. Like the likes of Leon Bailey, he's just he's been disappointing this season for me. Um, he's not really done it at all. And Wolves, as for them, it's a it's a good win for them. Obviously, they had no no Ruben Neves, no Raul Jimenez. So they'd have probably not been that confident with Fabio Silva, who still hasn't scored, but did did work hard and causes caused a few problems. But I think it's it's a case of Villa need to find some consistency under Gerard because it's it's just these constant winning streaks and then losing streaks and that's never going to be good for a for building a good side for the future. Yeah, it's been very very inconsistent for for Villa this season, and we all know the qualities there. Like players like Luca Digne, Philip Coutinho, the breakout of Jacob Ramsey this season, John McGinn, Ollie Watkins, Emmy Martinez, just to name a few. And also we've got old boy Ashley Young in there too. I think they just need to sort of become more consistent. So obviously, this obviously since Gerard took over, it's been they've had a winning, they had an amazing winning streak, and then they've just gone and lost loads of games, and then and then they've just repeated it two or three times. But I think it's time they need to become more consistent because this is this isn't too good. And obviously, Coutinho's been a Coutinho's been very very good for Villa this season for the most part. But yeah, no, I think I just don't, I just don't really know what to make of Villa at the moment. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for the Premier League. I think we should move on now to the Championship and just one game I want to I want to talk about really with the champ is. The, the South Wales derby. I mean, no team has ever done the double in this fixture in its 111-year history. And what a way to do it. To go to the Cardiff City Stadium for Russell Martin's side and win 4-0 and so convincingly. I mean, Swansea battered them, really. They absolutely battered Cardiff. Um, and I think for Cardiff, it's a massive, it's a rude awakening, really. It's been quite positive, I'd say, under Steve Morrison. Um, the fans have been getting behind the team. It's been a lot of a lot of young players playing. The likes of Uche Piazza and Jordan Hugel, both very hardworking players, and I think that's created a bond between fans and players. But this is going to really, really hurt the, those Cardiff fans. And that I mean, some of the shithousery from the likes of Michael Oberfemi and, and co doing the swim away celebration again, even after they got fined, I think, for it last time. But um, he played very well in the game. He bagged, I think, two goals for him. And Swansea just showed their class. And it's it's miserable, really, for Cardiff, a really miserable result. And they're an ageing side who who needs a massive reset in the summer. Yeah, no, I think it's it's, it's a massive result. First, first time in history that the double's been done in the South Wales derby. Um, and yeah, as he says, what a way to do it. Taking the lead after just six minutes and then and then just going on to dominate. Cardiff didn't have the answers for Swansea's questions and some very, very poor ratings in there with a, with a 3.9 for Smithies, 4.6 for Vagan, 5 for Flint, 6 for 
local lad to me, Mark McGuinness, had the same barber, went to the same school. Um, but I think for Swansea, I think it's just a fantastic result for them. Obviously, had the likes of Hannes Wolf pulling strings in midfield, Cyrus Christie bagging a brace of assists, and then obviously Michael Obafemi bagging a brace of goals, and then another clean sheet for Andy Fisher at the back in goal. But I think it's a fantastic result for for Swansea, especially because I think they needed that confidence boost um, to go out the league. They sit 16th um, now. Um, they sit 16th. Playoffs is probably a bit too far for them. They're 11 points off with... Um, they're 11 points away with... Um, they've got eight games left. They could still do it, but they'd have to win all their games, I reckon. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's a fantastic result and and a history break and a history making day um, in South Wales. Yeah, definitely. Another another game that was finished four nil was Peterborough nil Middlesbrough four, which is a, a massively positive result for Middlesbrough and solidifies them into that top six, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I think it was probably one of the more predictable results of the week. Obviously, Peterborough, short spell of positivity after their win over QPR. But I think um, it's, it's back to what it was. It, they hadn't won since 11th of December prior to the win against us. But now I think it's been it's been fantastic for Middlesbrough all season long. Warnock was doing well then. He got slightly harshly dismissed in favour of Chris Wilder. And, and that decision proved to be a, a gargantuan blessing in disguise because they've been so, so good this season for uh, for so, so long. Obviously, really pulling strings. Matt Crooks in midfield. And then old, then old boy Johnny Housen getting man in the match with an 8.5 out of 10. And then obviously clean sheets. Then obviously another clean sheet for Joe Lumley did really, really well, making some saves. But as, as for Peterborough, this is pretty much just rubber stamp their relegation. Some good performances from the likes of Josh Knight, Jack Taylor and Harrison Burrows. But I think I think the uncertainty at the back and the lack of Stephen Bender in goal, who's seemingly gone missing after doing quite well for the posh when he came in. Um, I'd sort of go back to David Cornell in goal, and he was really poor on Saturday, getting a 4.2 out of 10. And obviously giving Emmanuel Fernandez his debut, he, he was solid apart from his mistake. But I think... I think Peterborough needs to rebuild and get ready for a season in League One. Definitely. And I think it's a it's a case of two sides at totally different spectrums. Middlesbrough massively on the rise under Wilder. And Posh are a better side under Grant McCann. They're definitely improved. And as I say, QPR's bogey side, we've seen the best of them at three occasions this season. But Middlesbrough just too much class, too much verve, too much everything. They showed a lot. And Duncan Watmore's fourth goal epitomised it for me. Um, yeah, great result for them and kept the pressure on after another game, which I'll come to you on, which is Forest for Blackpool 1 in the early kickoff. Yeah, no, it was a pretty big win with Forest roaring into a 3-0 lead quite quickly from the get-go. Brennan Johnson with an, with an outrageous individual performance, two goals and an assist to Boots. Um, but I think, yeah, he only, he only managed six, six minutes before he went off. Um, don't, don't think it was an injury or anything, but he was absolutely world-class on Saturday with in the lunchtime kickoff um, with Zinkanagel playing well too. And I think 
it's got to be up there with one of the best individual performances we've seen this season. Blackpool getting a consolation through Callum Connolly, who who came on and played quite well, um, obviously getting a 7 out of 10 and scoring as well with Jordan Thornhill getting an assist, but it was a really poor performance from Dan Grimshaw in goal, getting just a measly 4.3 out of 10. But, yeah, no, I think massive win for Forrest and a hugely defining result. that This, this is playoffs over for Blackpool. They, 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 they've had a really good season defying loads of expectations, but I think they, they'll just pick up, they'll just go again next season, I reckon. Yeah, big game for them in midweek as they take on Preston, which is a, a really underrated derby, actually. They'll, they'll just be focusing on trying to win that, do the double over Preston, and, and then, as you say, holding on to Neil Critchley and the likes of, and some other key players like Ek Pateta, Josh Bowler, Shane Lavery even might get some interest from, from other championship clubs this summer. But they've had a good season, but Forrest and especially Brennan Johnson was absolutely dynamite this game. He showed why he's arguably one of the best players in the league. And if, if Forrest can keep him firing and fit for the rest of the season, they'll be a real, real force in the playoffs. And I, I'm pretty confident they are going to get into the playoffs, to be fair. Um Unfortunately, we'll we'll speak about it now if you don't mind, Lucas, because the elephant in the room is QPR nil Fulham two, which it obviously both of us there at the game, season ticket holder, um, and it was depressing because it just showed the total gap in quality. And many sides have come up against Fulham and and been beaten and been outclassed. And as I say, Fulham's penalty was an absolute disgrace, but we weren't going to get back into the game anyway. So I think that's probably the playoffs all but over for QPR. Um, disappointing because the loss of Chris Willocks really hurt us and just other injuries at key times, Lyndon Dykes being out for a while. He played well coming back, but I think unless he, we can go to that Sheffield United game on Tuesday night and, and win, um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, no. Um, I think it's been as QPR fans, it's been so sad to see um the last two months of as as uh, seemingly very good promotion push has seemingly just faltered right in front of us. Um, and obviously we after the Forest match, we didn't have a recognised keeper, so it shows the injuries and a down and a and a downturn in form and some questionable recruitment in January has absolutely rocked us. Um. Dion Sanderson was, was showed a huge improvement from the Peterborough match. Um, no, he, no, no, he didn't. He was awful again. He, I can't have that. He, 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 he was ever so... Okay, because you said Ever that, was, so slightly yeah. better, maybe. It was, it he was, wasn't awful. That sounds awful, but he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good yeah. enough. Didn't, didn't, didn't cut the mustard, but... He, it was it was a, it was an ever so slight improvement, which is better than no improvement. Let's put it that way. Um, um, Moses Odebarjo, he was he was good again. Sort of ran out of steam towards the end, which is pretty disappointing to see. Um, um, George Thomas came in, played well, quite harshly rated with just a five point eight, which is harsh. Um, but obviously, I think the 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 worst rating on the pitch again. I'll sound like a broken record here, but it has to be the referee for sure. Never in a million years is that a penalty. That is an absolutely abysmal decision. It comes off his arm, yes, 
he's in a natural, his arm's in a natural position. He's backtracking, trying to put the ball behind for a corner. It, it just happens to come off his arm in a natural position. And then, the, and then Mitrovic runs over like a little baby to the ref and he gives the penalty. Absolutely shocking decision. Terrible. We saw it unfold right in front of us. We was next to each other. It was absolutely abysmal. Again, I say it now. EFL, saw your refs out. You're costing teams up and down the country priceless points each week with your haphazard officiating with all your refs. This does this just doesn't go for um, Dan for Gavin Ward and um, Keith Stroud. This goes for all the refs who have made bad decisions this season. Sort it out. Moving on um, now from that after my after my next officiating passionate rant, run. Um, we're going to touch on Coventry Blackburn. Which was quite a dramatic, which is quite a dramatic game with um, Coventry taking the lead through an own goal um, through Harry Pickering. Then in the second half, um, they got into it with more or less Bradley Dax straight from kickoff. Scott Wilson looked like he won it eight minutes from time, but then Victor Gierkeresh, um with with the last kick of the game scoring equaliser to get to send the Sky Blues fans into raptures. Tomo, what do you think about this? Heartbreaking, isn't it, for Blackburn and Tony Mowbray, who must be thinking he's been cursed because they have been so unlucky recently, Blackburn. Um, they've had, in obviously, losing key players like Diaz and Dak to injury. He actually came back and scored after such a long period out, which it's great to see because nobody likes to see talented players with serious injuries. And obviously, Bradley Dak has been out for best part of two years, really. He's been struggling after a double ACL. Um, but yeah, Blackburn, probably the better side. They played really well in the second half, scored early and then sort of dictated the game and got the second from a set play. But Coventry just absolutely love a late goal. And Victor Giocarez was there. It was a great finish and a massive blow, really, for Blackburn's top six aspirations. They're still, I think, in the top six, just about, on goal difference. Um, but other sides have games in hand on them. And again, it's a bit of a sour result for their for their playoff hopes. Coventry, they're never going to get in the playoffs, but they've had a brilliant, brilliant season, Coventry. And I think with a couple more additions next year, and if they didn't lose Matty Godden, who's so key when they lost him for so long, then I think it could have been a bit of a different story for them this season. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, Blackburn are in the playoffs by one point. However, Forrest, the team immediately blow them do have three games in hand on them, which probably are not, which probably severely ruins Blackburn's playoff hopes. Because it looks like the top six is more or less decided. I reckon it's going to be, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to be Huddersfield, Luton, Middlesbrough and Forest. I just can't see us getting back in there, especially if we don't win tomorrow. Um, but yeah, no, moving on to quite an entertaining match between... Luton Millwall, which saw, which was quite dramatic again. Obviously, two late goals. Um, it seemingly was heading towards a one-one draw, and then a phobie scores with ten minutes to go. Looks like Millwall heading towards another dub, but then a Jake Cooper own goal three minutes from time hands a point back to Luton, which means um, they leave level-headed. Tomo is an interesting game at the top of the league. What do you have to say about it? Well, Millwall will be devastated because I think if they'd have won that game, they'd have really had a chance at the playoffs. But 
a great ball in from Robert Snodgrass and Jake Cooper, who usually loves a score to score from set plays for Millwall himself, scores against Millwall, putting it in the wrong net. Luton weren't great in this game, but they they found a way to to get a point and grind it out, which is something that we I, I didn't think they'd be able to do, to be honest. I thought that Luton would probably falter and fall away and are a bit of an up and down form side, but yeah, they were beaten. They were beaten on the day up until the 87th minute, and a big, big goal for them. Elijah Adebayo scoring again, which is big for him. He he's been very, very good this season, very underrated. Um, and I think, as I say, moving forward for both sides, they've just got. I think Millwall need to win pretty much every game or most games. In, if they want a chance at the playoffs, they're six points off Luton, um, and that would have cut the gap massively if they'd have, if they'd have beaten them. But as for Luton, they just need to keep hanging on, keep grinding out those results, and and hope that they can get into the top six. Obviously, me, I personally don't want them to get in there, um, but they probably do deserve it. In fairness, yeah, no, they they. I think the Bournemouth match for them back in January was the turning point. Obviously, that late, late winner from Naismith. And they've seen him just pressed on since that. I think we're going to touch on one or two more games before moving on to League One. I think the game we're going to touch on is going to be Derby 1, Preston 0. And obviously, Derby County, they just don't want to die, do they? With a late winner from Ravel Morrison, and despite a fantastic individual performance from Daniel Iverson, it just wasn't to be for the North End as as, as Derby just march on. Tommy, what do you have to say? Yeah, massive goal for Ravel Morrison. He's been a, a revelation really at Derby this season. And as I say, they'll be frustrated if they don't manage to stay up. Not only because of the points deduction, but they've played so well. When when they've played well, they've been brilliant. They've honestly been one of the better sides in the league. Um when when we played them at uh, at Pride Park, they they were the better side probably for that game. And if it weren't for an Andre Gray world, he probably goal of the season. We'd have come away with a point, and probably on reflection, we'd have gone that's a decent point. Um, but yeah, I think it's still a chance. The Reading goal, Barnsley won Reading one, which I'll speak about. That was massive. That was a real six pointer at the bottom and. Barnsley will be really disappointed because they were leading this game and probably the better side for the majority of it. And Josh Laurent getting a massive, massive goal to to probably save Reading. I mean, the gap's not massive. It's only five points, but with seven games to go for both of them, five points is a decent chunk. And Reading's upcoming fixtures, they've got Stoke at home, Cardiff at home and Swansea at home and Hull away four of those in four of those six which are all winnable and also West Brom at home which you could see them winning so you know they haven't got a hard fixture list and Barnsley's in comparison's a little bit more tricky they've got the likes of Millwall away Swansea away Huddersfield away yes they have Peterborough at home and Blackpool at home which they'd hope to win but it's probably a bit more difficult for Barnsley. I think Reading are potentially one one or two wins more away from guaranteeing safety. 
Yeah, no, it's, I think the late equaliser from Josh Lawrence was a huge blow for Barnsley. As they took the lead so early on in the fifth minute and then they just couldn't hold on for the rest of the game as Josh Lawrence equalised eight minutes from time. And it's, it's just sad to see from a Barnsley perspective because here's the thing, um, Barnsley and Reading played a year ago to the day from when they played on Saturday. That game was probably playoff deciding. And now... A year on, it's a relegation six-pointer, which just goes to show the the gargantuan decline that the two sides have had over the last 12 months. And it's pretty sad to see um, for both. Obviously, Reading have had their points deduction as well, which has put them in this position. And they could well get a further points deduction if they don't, if they don't comply. But yeah, no, it's, it's pretty big. Um, it's a pretty big result. Moving on to League One now. Um, and I'll start off with a game in League One. Um, I'll start off with probably the the neutrals' best game of the weekend. It's got to be Accrington 4, Cheltenham 4, with so many mixed performances from individual players in the side. Ah, God, where, where do we start with this game? It was mental to watch. Such a big game. Tomo, what do you have to say? I'm sure you were watching that, were you, at three at three o'clock? Did you just have it on your phone at Loftus Road, Accrington v Cheltenham. Yeah. I what did a not game. Know. Yeah, math. No, of course not. But obviously, big game, both sides on the beach, really. So you do out, you get games like this at this sort of point of the season where they're either absolutely mental or it's a nil nil or one one or one nil boring game. But this one was mental and more goals for Alfie May, two goals for Will Boyle, including a last gasp equaliser. And Two goals for uh, young Lee for Accrington as well, who is a decent player. He's actually had a good season so far, Tommy Lee, and a bit of a breakthrough, and he could be one to watch. But, yeah, there's probably not much more to say on that game apart from the fact that it was a really entertaining game for the neutral and probably both sets of fans. But as for impact on the table and the overall League One season, it's probably not very memorable or impactful at all. But one game that is, which... As I say, 1-0 doesn't look entertaining, but Plymouth 1-Oxford 0 is absolutely monumental for the for the top six, really. It solidifies Plymouth in there, really, now. I think they won't be caught now um, unless they literally lose every game. Um, and Joe Edwards' goal was absolutely massive for them. Oxford will be disappointed because it drops them out of the top six. And with... Wednesday and Sunderland moving into the top six, they probably move out of the favourite spot for it. And Carl Robinson won't be happy about that, but it's still going to go down to the wire, isn't it? Yeah, no, it does go without saying that it was a gargantuan game at the top of League One. And based on some of the stats and individual performances, the best side won. Um, Because obviously we had Michael Cooper in goal playing well, and then that man, Joe Edwards, popping up with the all-important goal. And I think, I, I don't know who's going to get promoted. Obviously, I reckon Rotherham will win the league. But I think, I think, I just don't know who's going to get promoted from League One at the moment. It's so, it's so close at the top. I think it's going to be... If you had to lay your cards on that table, who's in your top six? Who is in your top six? Who's in my top six or... Oh, I'm saying Rotherham, Wigan, MK Dons, Plymouth, 
Sheffield, you went Sheffield Wednesday, and I reckon Wickham will sneak in there instead but, of Sunderland. Yeah, no, I th- yeah, no, I think the Sunderland are going to bottle it. I think it's so so big, um, and Sunderland, Sunderland have pretty much become trapped in League One recently, and I think they're going to have another season in there before they try to get promoted back to the Championship. I think Sunderland, they scraped a 1-0 win thanks to a literal last gasp winner from, was it Dan Neal who scored? No, it wasn't. It was the returning Nathan Nathan Broadhead, of course, last minute, which is a devastating blow for, for Gillingham um, with Morecambe winning 3-0 convincingly at home. But um, Sheffield Wednesday also scored with the last kick of the game, Lee Gregory. So both of those sides just scraped for three points and that'll hurt Oxford fans even more. Um, but if I was to put my cards on the table, I think the top two is pretty set. Rotherham, who won the Papa John's Trophy on Sunday, they, I think, will definitely go up. I think Wigan will win the league, though, personally. Um, but I think those will be the top two. And then I think third for me, yeah, I agree. I think MK Dons are getting in there. Um, I'm going to say Ply- Plymouth definitely get in there, but I think they might be fifth or sixth. They, I think they may just slip up a little bit in these last couple of games, but they'll still make it. And then I think you can't look past Wednesday and Sunderland. I think they've had some of their big players come back from injury, uh, the likes of Gregory and Broadhead, who both scored the winning goals. And just the quality in their squads, when it gets to the crunch time, quality really does tell. And as I say, they've got a lot of it. So that's why I'm going to put them in my top six. Yeah, no. The soft league one is looking extremely close at the moment. Let's be for real here. Um, I don't think we should spend too much time on league one, given that there was so much talk about in the Premier League and the Championship. It is come to that time of year when there's just so so much to talk about um, in each of the leagues, and I think um, I'm, I'm not... happy to talk about it though. To be fair, yeah, because I think another game we we, we could well touch on is basically rubber stamps relegation for Doncaster. It's Wickham to Doncaster nil with Anis Mehmeti doing bits for Wickham with a goal and assist. And a great performance from David Stockdale in goal. But I think, I think, well, Doncaster are pretty much down now. What do you think, Tomo? Yeah, they've been down for ages, Doncaster, similar to Crew, And good win for Wickham, but not really too much else to it, I think. Crew. As well, they lost 3-1 to Fleetwood, which is a massive, massive result for Fleetwood, who've been on the slide. But, yeah, good win for Wickham. And Mehmeti, he's a player that has championship quality, but, again, lacks consistency. He reminds me a bit of Bursant Selina from Ipswich, the way he plays, who has been a player in his career that is one of the better players in the championship when he's on form, but is one good game and three or four average quiet games so if he can find some consistency he'll be a top top player for Wickham but um, yeah I still just think that they've got a little bit too much to do as as for getting in the playoffs Um, a massive game which is a really underrated rivalry actually is Wigan v Bolton and those Bolton away fans the limbs were quality to be fair Um, they nicked a point one one with literally half the shots of, of Wigan, but they'll be happy to take that. Wigan will probably take the point as well. Um, they, they missed out on a chance to gain more, even more on Rotherham, but in a derby game, 
you're taking a point really in that situation. You just try not to lose. And I think both sets of fans will probably come away fairly satisfied. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good game. Um, and I think, um, I've not seen the highlights yet, but I think it looks like a good all-round team performance from Wigan. They'll be disappointed that they didn't win. But I think as for Bolton, it's a, it's a good result, obviously. They're the likes of Elias Kachunga in there, um, Dion Charles as well. And then Don, John Daddy Bovarsson comes off the bench, doesn't really do much other than score, but the limbs were very, very good um, from a Bolton perspective. As as for as for Wigan, um, I reckon I reckon they'll they'll still do it. They'll still get promoted, and we'll be doing Wigan away next season. Um, but as as for Bolton, I think they just have to settle for mid table now. I think they're more or less on the beach. Yeah, I agree. Bolton are definitely on the beach. Um, another side that are on the beach is Shrewsbury, and they were beaten two 0 away at MK Dons, which pretty much guarantees MK's place in the play. They could even sneak in that top three. I mean, if you look at the League One table, um, MK are on 79 points, Wigan on 80, Rotherham 80. So Wigan, if they'd have won that, if they'd have held on, they'd have gone top. Um, But yeah, I think MK, if they win a couple, you know, put the pressure on Wigan and Rotherham. Rotherham could even end up dropping into the playoffs. Um, And Scott Twine, back to his best with a goal and an assist brilliant for him he's he's been so 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 good um but yeah that's big really Bolton certainly on the beach Shrewsbury as well they're definitely on the beach um but it's so tight and as I say I could sit here for probably hours and hours talking about the relegation and promotion race but there's just so much to talk about that we can't unfortunately League One is really hotting up but I think um they're more or less down. Their relegation is not mathematically confirmed, but I'll just, I'll just quickly... It could be confirmed as early as the weekend um, if if they lose both their next games and results go against them elsewhere. Um, their relegation could be confirmed. Um, moving on now to League Two, um, I think there's only really one place to start, and that's Tranmere versus Carlisle. As it looked like Tramby were going to get a scrappy 2-1 win up until the last kick of the game when the substitute Toby Show-Silver came on and nicked a point for Carlisle. Tom, what do you have to say about this? Well, the, mir- the miracle man strikes again, doesn't he? Paul Simpson's side getting a really, really important late goal. Well, not really, really important. They're safe, but it's really important in Tranmere's season because... They'll be gutted. They had two men sent off, Tranmere. Callum McDonald in the 40th minute. They were 1-0 up at the time, but Amari Patrick, who's been brilliant since since rejoining Carlisle, equalised. Then Elliot never put them in the lead, but Kieran Morris sent off, and six minutes later, Carlisle made that two-man advantage pay with the equaliser. Um, as for the table, it leaves Tranmere seventh. They are in the top seven. I say top, I wanted to say top six, but it is top seven. They they are still in there. Um and however if Swindon win their game in hand on them, they could they will move above them as well as Salford who've come from absolutely nowhere to make a late charge. They won 2-0 um to give them keep them on the tails. But yeah disappointing result for Tranmere as I say you can't be getting two players sent off in it 
at this time of the season, it, it's just not good enough. And yeah, it's just really poor discipline. And I'm pretty sure that Mickey Mellon, who's an experienced manager, will be getting right into them at, at full time of that game. And I expect a reaction really from them in the next game. Um, another game to, to talk about, which is important, which was very important at both ends of the table, was Barrow 1, Port Vale 2. Now, Vale have been absolutely on fire recently and it moved them into the top three actually which is massive for them they're on 66 points from 39 games and it's looking like they could really get into that top three leapfrogging Northampton who've been in there all season but losing 1-0 to, to Mansfield left left them dropping out and uh, yeah Lucas big game for them Daryl Clark I think it was his first back in the dugout and Really important three points. As for Barrow, it's disappointing. Phil Brown will be disappointed because they take the lead and then con- and they're one nil up at half time and and conceding too late. Well, a second half goal and a late 89th minute goal um, from Aaron Martin's gonna gonna really hurt them. And it's just a really big goal for Port Vale season. Yeah, no, it's a pretty massive result. Uh- both ends of the table, as we said, because it looked like Barrow on their way to a surprise win. They went in half time, one new up, and then, and then Phil Brown probably just sat them out on the pitch and said, "Park the bus, we can do this," but do it they did not, and it ended in tears ultimately as goals from Jamie Proctor and then a last minute winner from Aaron Martin um, basically put they put it puts um, Port Vale in the top three. Um, albeit only on goal difference, they're still in the top three. Um, and as as for Barrow, they are in trouble. Um, they've probably done just enough to stay up, I reckon. But I think it's looking like Steve Nidge and Scunthorpe will be going down. And as for Scunthorpe, they could be relegated as early as Saturday um, if 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 they lose an Oldham win. Um, if they if they lose against Manfields and if Oldham beat Port Vale, which the latter of which is looking very very unlikely, I must say. Um, yeah, no, it's looking properly properly grim at the bottom of the league. But um, yes, yeah, it's it's grim for Scunthorpe and it's grim for Stevenage and it's grim for all the other sides who are in the mud. Um, Tom, do you want to touch on like one or two more games before we wrap up this week? A million percent. There was. Obviously, speaking about old man Stevenage, they took on, they faced off in a massive game and Oldham won it 1 0. Backs against the wall stuff. Steve Evans wasn't very happy. He thought his side deserved to win and they did deserve to win the game, to be fair. But Oldham showed that John Sheridan spirit and now they three, now, now they're three points clear of Stevenage. Stevenage, as, as we know, should have been relegated. I think it was, was it not last season, the season before? Um, but they somehow stayed up on a technicality. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, um, it was 2019-20. And I think Macclesfield had enough points deductions that they were reprieved. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Um, and so it could be their turn now to go down. I think Steve Evans will, will still try and probably work his magic. But that's why I'm worried for the likes of Barrow, because I think Barrow will really... Not that, not they're looking the least likely to pick up points this season. And whereas Oldham are, as I say, under John Sheridan, Stevenage under under uh, Steve Evans. So 
Phil Brown has his work cut out and they need to start winning ASAP. Um, Bristol Rovers, Bradford as well. That's another massive second half comeback from the gas. Joey Barton's side will be buzzing with that because they went 1-0 down in the 46th minute. Worst time to concede. Dion Pereira putting Bradford in the lead. And you're thinking it's going to be a home win for Mark Hughes, but brilliant comeback, brilliant character shown, really. Sam Finley equalising and, and Elliot Anderson, who was superb in this game. He is arguably one of the best players in League Two and someone who I think even championship clubs will be certainly looking at in January, in not in January, in the summer to take him on loan from Newcastle again. He could even get into Newcastle's side, to be fair, because he's that talented. And then, obviously, a winner for Bristol Rovers in the 75th minute, young Connor Taylor, who I think is on loan from, is it Villa or West Brom? I'm not a million percent sure, but he's been brilliant. Um, it's actually Stoke, so I've missed, I've got it wrong on both occasions there. But, um, yeah, brilliant for Bristol Rovers. It leaves them level on points, albeit they are fifth, they're level on points with Port Vale. They have played a game more than Vale, but um, it's so tight up there with Mansfield, Rovers, Northampton and Vale all level on points for that third spot. And, you know, as I say, the pressure that those League Two fans must be feeling in that top seven is massive because they can literally, from third downwards, you can lose one game and go from third to out the playoffs. So it's crazy, really. Yeah, it's so, so tight in there. And obviously, as we've seen, five points separate third from 11th. So by Easter weekend, Sutton could be right back up there. Um, but I think it's so it's, it's so impossible to call the shots with the top seven at the moment. I think Forest Green and Exeter are pretty much nailed on to get promoted. As for Port Vale through to Sutton, you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? It's so, so close and it's so, so entertaining for the neutral, um, especially me who knows very little about League Two and you've actually nothing about League Two prior to starting this podcast in January. But I think it's it's just mental um, to see how far th- things have come um, for um, the sides around them. and But as for Bristol Rovers, they, they, they it was a very good all-round team performance and I think they ultimately deserved to win. Um with obviously a fantastic in, with fantastic individual performances from Elliot Anderson and Sam Finley, who pipped um, Anderson to the post for man of the match with 8.7 compared to Anderson's 8.6. As for Bradford, they can probably just accept mid-table mediocrity. They're not they're not gonna they're not gonna challenge for the playoffs, certainly not gonna go down either. They're 15th in the moment, I think. Next season could be their year to press on. Tomo, do you have anything to say? Yeah, as for Bradford, we know that they're mid-table mediocrity. Just want to be a bit more in-depth on this Mansfield 1 Northampton nil game because this was a really, really tense affair. Ollie Hawkins winning it for the Stags. And as I say, really cut tight game. But Mansfield had more of the ball, more, more shots and created a lot more. But Northampton are very, very difficult to break down. And that's what makes them hard to beat as I say they only ever really concede one goal but Paul Lewis getting two yellows in a minute that's what's killed them here and it's it's it just swings that pendulum even more because going into this game Northampton if they'd have won they'd have probably been in pole position for that top 
top three and they lose and all of a sudden they're now worried about missing out on the top six. So I think the reason that is this year is because we've had the standout side in Forest Green. I think Exeter, even though at times they've been as low as sort of mid-table this season, um, they have been the second best team in the league for me. And I think those two will go up. But the rest of the league, we there's about 10 other sides that are all fairly similar squad-wise and fairly similar budget-wise and manager-wise. And that's why it's been so competitive. You know, even the likes of Sutton United, who nobody would have thought would be up there this season, have still got a real good shout of getting into that top six. And Salford, as I say, they've come from absolutely nowhere. Um Newport County, they're always in and around it and they'll be hoping to sneak in. Tranmere, the same. Mansfield, who've come from absolutely nowhere, as we know, after starting the season. And even Swindon Town, who, if you'd have said at at pre-season when they had no owner and they were looking like they were just trying to survive, that they'd be in and around the playoffs come the end of the season, it would be absolutely mental. But it certainly is going to go down to the wire and I think it's just whoever holds their nerve. Yeah, it's looking really, really, really tight up there. And I think um, anyone from, I think anyone as low as 11th could still go up. That's just how tight it is in League Two. Anyways, that does round up the Top Four Tiers podcast this week. It's been an absolute privilege, as it always is. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please drop us a like, um, subscribe to the podcast, and follow us on Instagram. Tom, do you have any last words? No, just see you boys next week. And we are trying to work on getting a few guests in to maybe interview maybe some players. So if any of you know any players that you could get in contact with us, then please do drop us a message and drop them a message to convince them to come on. Yeah, no, convince them to be part of this fantastic podcast. And there's more exciting content coming from us over the next couple of months to see out the business end of the season. But it's been a pleasure. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Top Board Tiers podcast today. Make sure you like the podcast, follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on Spotify.